Welcome to the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. On this episode, we have Chris Hester. He's a fisher of men. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. Um, first things first, uh, I want to thank all my listeners. One of the cool things with doing this podcast is the, the program that I use. I'm able to see where uh, listeners are tuning in from. And I've within the first uh, day, I had a listener from Brussels and Granada. So I think that's really cool. Not sure how they came across the podcast, but if you're listening to this, um, it'd be really cool to connect with you. So if you could, you know, you can reach me on Instagram uh, at the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. <clears throat> so that said, on this episode, I'm here with uh, Chris Hester. Um, when I started this idea for this podcast, you know, Chris, you were one of the first guys I had in mind to bring on here because um, you always seem to have a following of men. <laughs> Not a weird way, but always have a following of men that uh, uh, look into you for guidance, especially uh, when it comes to to God. And that I think that's something. There's something about you that draws these guys to you. And uh, so we'll get into that here in a little bit. But um, yeah, if you want to just real quick, just give us a little intro about who you are, where you're from, all those good things. All right. <clears throat> so uh, as Paul told you, I'm Chris Hester. Um, I was born in Northeast Arkansas, but I was raised and have lived in Central Arkansas most of my life. Um, Been in construction most of my adult life, and uh, I was raised up in the Word uh, as a kid, and we'll talk a little bit about that story and what that looks like, but uh, have reconnected with God, and as you mentioned, uh, having praying for wisdom, sharing that wisdom with other guys is a big part of, of what that walk looks like, so. Yeah, um, we've known each other, uh, I guess, just two over over two years now. Um, I remember church we were going to that I had just started going to. They were doing their little small groups uh, uh, breakout where they had everybody set up tables and everything. And you were out there with Gabe and a couple other guys with uh, food and <laughs> Gabe's boat, I think, at the time. And so obviously that was a uh, I was led that way, you know, for the food at least, and then. It, Y'all are similar in age and you know, a bunch of guys that look like they work out except for Gabe, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was, I was obviously drawn to that. And then, um, once I came to the first couple men's groups at your, uh, your house that you sent sold, but I think it was after like the second one that we came out to that I came out to, you, uh, told everybody, you know, we're going to find somewhere else. You're selling the house, you know, um, and I immediately volunteered to start hosting, um, you know, and the, the group has changed quite a, quite drastically over the last two years as far as all that goes. Right, but, right. Um, you know, we're, we're here in my, well, right where we're sitting right now, there used to be a wall. So <laughs> my houses look different too. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, breakthrough moments with different guys here in my house. Um, back when you were leading, back when you were a guest, um, and all those things. So, um, yeah, I, you know, wanted you to come on here and, uh, if you want to go ahead and give your testimony, and be all ears. Well, <clears throat> I just want to say that, uh, the sales pitch worked <laughs> <laughs> food. Uh, we were giving away, if I remember correctly, we were giving away a fishing trip and Gabe had his boat out That's there. Right. Yep. So 
just so the listeners know what, what this looks like, we set up outside of the main building at the church. And the goal was you had your own little tent or space and your job was to draw people in who maybe didn't have an affiliation with the church outside of just coming on Sundays. So we were promoting our groups <clears throat> in which we meet. So our idea was well, what do men like, because we had a men's group food and fishing, hunting. So that's where we came up with the fishing trip and, and the food and, and it was a success. <clears throat> so at that time, uh, we had had the group going for, I'm not sure, maybe, maybe a year, year and a half. I don't remember exactly, but, um, it just started out, uh, as a vision of wanting to get men together. And, um, I just recently went through a divorce at that time and <clears throat> it was, uh, it was a pretty ugly, ugly situation. And that's when I really decided to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was, I was raised, um, going to church, but never really sold out. So it, that was actually my second divorce and going through that, it, I started to really accept that there were issues within myself that needed to change. So that started with me going to a different group, um, for about a year. Uh, and it was at a different church, uh, in the same network of churches we were going to at the time. Um, and after about a year of that, I realized like God had a, had a calling on me to start a similar group, uh, here in the town that we live in. So, <clears throat> the first couple meetings, um, it was just a handful of guys. Of course, you go to your closest friends, you know, my brother, yeah. um, and it just kind of steadily started to grow. And of course the, with men, uh, some aren't ready for a long commitment, I guess you could say. Right. So you have guys kind of come and go, but over time it, it just starts to grow with the guys that continue to come. Um, so when you came in, uh, the group had been going for a while. It had grown pretty drastically and grew even larger after that. And we went from a handful of guys to one time, I want to say we had what, 20 something guys coming oh, easily. Cause we would have to split up. That's right. That's rooms. right. Yeah. yeah we had to, is. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, in the garage. And then, uh, yeah. We had a, at some point, some in the game room, garage yeah. and the living room. Yep. So, uh, and then at that point I was, uh, I knew I wanted to, with the construction, um, we have a family business, but we're all kind of also have our own individual projects. So in order to have startup money, I decided to sell the house that I had built in 2016, um, <clears throat> because the market had kind of changed values on homes went up. So we put the house on the market, it sold. And then as Paul mentioned, he had opened up his house, uh, to have a meeting point for the group. Um, since the place we had before was no longer going to be available to us. So, um, at that point, yeah, we go ahead and just yeah, chime in I, on kind of what, what it looked like when we moved over here. It, I think some guys fell off a little bit, but, um, we were still holding pretty strong. There was usually 15 plus guys every week. Right. And, you know, we usually <clears throat> have a little food, have a little fellowship and then get into the word. Um, and you know, some great relationships came out of that. Some that are, aren't still going for me right now, but you know, that's, that's how things go. But, um, with, <clears throat> I remember, and I don't think I ever told you this before, actually, uh, this is something that I have to work on and <laughs> is my judging. I, I can be very judgy of people 
and I had actually seen, uh, I'm very, like, if I see your face, if I see you, I remember you. And the first time I saw you was at the gym with Nick and a couple other guys. I'm like, oh, these douchebags, like <laughs> big, <laughs> these big old douchebags, like, you know, there's, there's chatting. They don't even ever lift up a weight. They're just huge. And they're always talking the whole time. But, uh, you know, that's something I'm more, you know, it's God's got me to work on is my judging, but, uh, yeah, we were having meetings here. Um, and then, uh, man, that, that was two years ago. It seems like a decade ago. Yeah. Time, but, um, yeah, from there, uh, you had a little, little bit of a life changing, uh, situation. Right. Uh, right. Um, and don't feel bad. It's not the first time someone told me they yeah. thought I was going to be a huge douchebag yeah. and found out oh, I wasn't people say the same that bad. Me. So yeah. Yeah. same thing about me. Um, so to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, you know, growing up, uh, as I mentioned before, I was involved with church as a kid and then as a teenager, that's really what was kind of a turning point for me. Um, my mom had had some childhood trauma. Um, my grandfather died when I was about 13, 13 and a half. And on that side of the family, my dad, that was my dad's dad and my my grandfather, my grandmother had helped plant churches, um, very devout Christians, uh, not judgmental. I, I felt like I could talk to my grandparents about anything. And, um, my grandfather passed away. We knew he was sick. Um, and he had been in the military. He had been exposed to asbestos working on brake pads on airplanes. He had also been in the Marshall Islands and exposed to nuclear testing. So later in life, when he got sick, we didn't know exactly what it was. Looking back now, we know it was exposure to all the things in the military that he was slowly dying from cancer. Well, he had went into the doctor um, to have some testing done. And the doctor made a mistake and he pretty much bled to death in the hospital. And then about a year later to the day, my mom, all the untreated trauma from her childhood, had just kind of culminated. And she was at that point kind of in and out of the household. So within that year, um, it was pretty, pretty life changing. I'd been fairly sheltered, fairly spoiled up until that point. Um, not to say my dad didn't continue to, to spoil us, but just that was a very life changing thing right, for right. me. Um, and then after that, I can remember my grandmother, she couldn't, you know, my grandfather, she helped in his business, but he was the first one in our family tree to get into the construction. So I can remember her battling with the hospital. Uh, the military lost my grandfather's records. It was like he was never in the military. Um, I won't go too far into that, but, you know, in the Bible, it says that all authority is placed there by God. And it makes you wonder sometimes when there's corruption in in the ranks of authority, um, how that can be yeah. if they're placed there by God. So at that time, you know, it also says that he wants to uh, save those who are crushed in spirit um, and comfort us. So I wasn't really willing to accept the comfort that God was given. I went pretty much full rebellion at that point. Um, so experimenting, experimenting with drugs and alcohol uh, was a part of that. I say that to say this. So when you and I met each other uh, later in life, I had been through a 12 step faith based recovery program, uh, alcohol being the main thing, but there were other things involved with that. So this life changing event that Paul mentioned, um, basically I was, I was going to the gym a lot. 
uh, I had people accusing me of being on steroids, even though I wasn't. So at a certain point, I think in my mind, I just justified using steroids since I was already being told basically to my face that I was when I, I truly wasn't. Right. Um, what I underestimated was the effects of that, especially knowing that I dealt with some addictive behaviors in my life. So, um, like anything else, it started off basically just a little bit of test and then you start getting into all the hard steroids and that kind of started piling up and, and being in this position where I have other guys looking up to me. Um, I think maybe fear and pride is how I would identify that feeling of not really reaching out to let someone know I'm struggling. Meanwhile, the people closest to you start seeing those signs, like something is not quite right with Chris, but in my mind, I think I'm somehow holding it together for this, I guess, maybe earthly position that I'm trying to serve God, but it's really become more about myself because I'm not really willing to admit that I'm struggling with some things. Yeah. So some of the side effects of steroids that people may not know about when you start using some of the stronger anabolic stuff, it causes sleep loss. Uh, so for me, I was getting like two, three hours of sleep a night. Um, anger is obviously a big part of that. Now you don't realize like how short your fuse is when you're in the moment, but everyone around you starts right. to notice that. Um, and it got to the point I could tell that, that things were going on. So rather than, maybe just getting off the steroids, I figured it'd be a good idea to maybe start taking some kind of anti-stress and anxiety drugs that I prescribed myself with, uh, got to the point of abuse. I was not getting them legally and, uh, started smoking weed again. That's something that, uh, kind of done off and on my whole life. So just pick that back up and then pick the bottle back up. And when it started compounding like that, it really didn't, it really didn't take very long to become, um, a major issue. So, uh, some things happened, um, not to get too much in the ugly because I don't want to do that. I want to talk more about what God has done through this because in Romans eight twenty eight it says God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, having that said, I don't think it was God's plan for me to go make a catastrophic event of my whole life. Now he's an ever present, ever knowing God. So we had to know what I was doing, but I think if, I allowed his will in versus my own. He would not have wanted that for me, but he will take these circumstances that we get ourselves into and he will work those for our benefit once we finally surrender back to his will. So <clears throat> the trouble that came with this whole situation, uh, DWIs involved with it, um, some drug possession charges, uh, some pretty serious things that happened as a consequence of these actions. Um, so I found myself in county jail. Keep in mind, most of the guys had no clue. They might have noticed some signs, but I wasn't telling anyone. So it probably came for a shock to a lot of guys when all this stuff kind of happened and, yeah. and unloaded in a short amount of time. Um, it also says, uh, you know, that when an evil spirit leaves you, he goes to an arid place and comes back with seven more. So I think when you open these demonic channels and doors, whatever that sin pattern looks like for different people, yeah. um, mm -hmm. it could be anything. It could be pornography, anger, rage, drugs, alcohol. Mm -hmm. I think once you open your life back up to that, and, and I think it's underrated, um, the threat of what we put in front of our eyes, as far as what we watch on television, what we listen oh, to with absolutely. our ears, it'll take you back to that sinful place yeah. that you once once considered comfortable. Yeah. That's one of those things that I tell people all the time. Like 
in the, the two years that we've known each other, um, I, I, same thing. Like, I don't, there's certain movies and stuff that I don't like to watch, like scary movies. One, they're dumb. And two, a lot of them are demonic. Right. You know, I'm like, I don't want to, I just don't want that in my life. You know, I turn my eyes, I divert my eyes from different, you know, because sex sells. So it's on everything. Right. I turn my eyes away from that. When I, the, what I listen to is either the word, and generally it's worship music now. Every once in a while, you know, I'll throw some old stuff back out there. And then I'm like, this is, this is vulgar. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about like NWA or anything like that, but just some of the stuff I used to listen to. I'm like, man, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Right. And, uh, but yeah, it's it. But there are certain things, especially the visual aspect of things or the addictive, you know, you pick up the a beard and you're recovering or, you know, it's something visual that can that can take a turn quick. Right. You know, it starts out. You know, there's guys that I know that uh, started out with an Instagram picture they liked and then full blown back into pornography. Right. It's it's literally just like that. I mean, so having the past that I did in in my teen and early adult years, you know, being involved with drugs and alcohol and everything that comes along with that, you know, some of the music we would listen to at that time, a lot of rap music. um, And I'm not trying to put a bad label on any one genre, but the kind of music I was listening to glorified selling drugs, um, you know, sexualizing women. Some of it was demonic. Yes. It it just, you may not realize it in the moment. Like I know I've looked back and like listened to stuff and I'm like, like I knew those lyrics, but I didn't realize what they were saying. Right. You know, and that's really, and I think same thing in movies for me, it was, it was bad enough. I did know the message and, yeah. and I, at that right, time right, right, I liked right. it you know and yeah. looking back on it now some of the music I would have listened to I know that my ears and my mind don't need to be exposed to that yeah. so I mean it's it's literally to the point now <clears throat> uh if it's not like a Christian radio station it's usually a sports radio station where they talk about sports and football and you know the Razorbacks of mm-hmm. course uh and that's really most of what I listen to podcasts are pretty much spiritual or sports yeah. uh tv shows uh, the closest thing to scary, I do watch a lot of documentaries about like some of these crazy serial killers and stuff, but that's as far in the scary direction because like you, these movies where you see, you know, people getting stabbed and blood and go, it's just, that's just something I'm, doesn't feel appealing to me anymore. Not entertaining. So um, having that said, I just think uh, in our culture today, that gets overlooked a lot. So oh, yeah. um, for me, dipping back into a steroid, um, I didn't think because it's not... It's not a drug that gets you high, but there are definitely side effects that are similar to drugs that do get you high. So not sleeping, um, angry all the time, your mind starts to just the psychological side effects of that. And I was just not a stable person anymore. And then you pile on the other drugs that I started mixing in with that. It was, it was out of control, but I don't want to focus too much on that. So the, the situation there, there were some legal issues that came up. Um, and when I got out of jail, uh, I just I knew that there was a recovery facility, a faith based recovery facility in Little Rock that uh, I've known a lot of the guys that have worked in that ministry, some that still do, some that have moved on to other career paths. But there was no doubt in my mind where I needed to go. And it was um, the best decision I could have made at that time. But what that looked like, there were a group of guys that were looking up to me, uh, my children who looked up to me. Uh, I was engaged at that time um had a future wife looking to me to be a spiritual leader and here i am back in my fleshly desires living like a wild man so um 
in Proverbs, it says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. So I don't want to sit here and pretend like it was a good thing that I got myself in all this trouble, but God definitely, as I was talking about before, worked it for his good. So um, if you want to kind of jump in, so I go to rehab. Uh, it's been almost two years ago now at that point. But if you want to kind of chime in on what it looks like in the group when I left and kind of how yeah, things that transferred. Was another, that was another one of those um, those hits that the group took. You know, what you had started that I joined was, you know, we were doing something good. There was a lot of guys that we were helping. And, you know, the enemy, when something's too good, he's going to try and hurt that, right? And <clears throat> I think, you know, what happened with you was one of those big, uh, those big hurts for the group. Um, and a lot of guys stopped showing up after that. Probably cut it in about half. We still had, you know, 10 or, 10 or more guys on, on average. Um, kept it going, kept, you know, the same layout as what you had started that I had joined. And uh, just, you know, having guys come and uh, eat and then, you know, get, get some of the word. Um, yeah, and then... Cause you, how long have you been back in town? Uh, it is, I moved back in April. So after I finished the program, it was a four month program and I made the decision. Um, they had the option to go into a second phase of that program. Yeah. So it's like your first four months, you are physically living in right, right, the right. program. You have like a, a, a job shift in the morning, but everything else revolves around Bible studies and just learning to really truly dedicate your life towards towards God's work. So I stayed <clears throat> down there for an extra extra year. So I was gone about 16 months. So I've been right. I got back uh, April. I moved back to Cabot. So okay. yeah, so then about a year ago, we had a similar breakdown in the group, right? Um, I'm not going to put that all out there. But uh, that that was pretty detrimental to the group too. Um, it split the group in half, and I was kind of forced to take take over the group. It's not something I wanted; it just right. kind of happened. <clears throat> and I did my best to keep it keep it going. Um, but at that point, the the group again was split <clears throat> about in half, and we were still trying to. And we were usually around ten guys, um, but you know, it just dwindled out from there, um, and then. Brittany and I were invited to a uh, marriage group. So we did that. I think that was a, like a 12 week deal. So we were out of the picture for a while. And I think that's around the time you came back um, is when we got done with the, the marriage group. So then, you know, like nothing happened, you came back and jumped back into it with these guys and some of the same guys from the original. Um, I've been fairly absent from it with, uh, We've had a bunch of marriage groups going on on Wednesdays. Right. I got to put that first. But. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, your your ministry always starts within the household. I'm a firm believer in that. And that's kind of something I had to realign in my life, too, because um, when you're helping other guys along, I, I think 100% our mission is very clear. You know, Jesus' final commission was to go out into the world and make more disciples. Yeah. Um, but you have to be willing to make disciples within your home and then branch out from there. So uh, just kind of looking at, at the pattern of, of our men's group, um, you know, we had, we had grown to probably 20, 30 guys on a fairly consistent basis. Um, 
obviously things kind of changed with my situation. Then a year later, another situation kind of similar um, had happened and it kind of splintered the group off, but to just kind of talk about how God can work through those things. So my time at the, at the faith-based recovery that I was at, I became involved there. Uh, so I've, I've made more friends that are now out trying to disciple others. Uh, one of my best friends, he's, um, he's actually interviewing for a career in, uh, it's more or less like a caseworker, but it's through a faith base. Um, it's awesome. I don't want to say business, but it's like outreach. So it's, it's a branch off of a church and he's, uh, but he is also, he and I are now teaching classes at some of the, at the recovery ministries that we've kind of become familiar and associated with. Uh, so my impact through a, a negative situation, my impact, like my, my circle has now grown. And as you mentioned, when I came back to Cabot, we came actually to your house and had a meeting talking about what that could look like to, I guess, maybe bring the band back together, get, get the band back together. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really want to be labeled as in charge of the head of the group. So one of our other mutual friends, he opened his house up and I said, uh, Gabe, I, I want you to take, take the wheel on this. If you really want to do this and you, you feel led, you kind of start making contact with some of the guys and some of the guys that came to our old group now have a group in Sherwood. So that's yep. another example of how, even though it splintered off, it has now grown. Yeah. So if you think about, um, Jesus says that we have to be connected to the vine. So it, it may have appeared that we were severed from the vine, but that vine is just split into more branches now. Yep. Um, so the group's kind of growing and we've kind of, I would say, put an emphasis. Um, we've always tried to make it an emphasis to do outreach within the community, um, do a little bit of in-house fundraising. We try not to go ask for money for anything, but we've came up with a few things and we're able, uh, it's pretty incredible. I don't want to throw numbers out or try to boast about that because it's all God's work, but just seeing how God's able to now use, uh, what we're doing to help other people too. In addition to just growing, uh, other men within the group. (laughs) That one, um, that one night we were talking about the funds we had raised. And then I think it was right after that, we got the call about Travis. Right. Literally, like we were just leaving the house and got the call about Travis and no questions asked. We immediately like, all right, this money's going to Travis. Right. And we even raised more. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, it like doubled when we found out what yeah. happened. I mean, it, it, <clears throat> the whole idea of the way we do it is it's that we are able to help others without putting an extreme burden on any one individual. And we kind of had a goal set. Um, we, we just kind of made up a number because we mm-hmm. didn't really know what it would look like and pretty much it was like hey if we could get to this number by the end of the year that would be really cool um and we've i want to say we've given away three times that now just three times what we had hoped we would produce in the year uh we've actually given more than that out to help other people and it's it's been completely organic it's not been planned we just kind of made the decision that god would show us how and when to help other people and it's just it's been pretty consistent with that so awesome love it yeah that's something um i know we were we were a little tied down at the beginning because we were associated to a church right and then um not not saying there's anything wrong with groups being associated directly with the church but sometimes there's a lot there's some political you know hierarchy and all that in it right so i think 
it was, I, I think it was a it was a blessing in disguise once we were able to break away from the church because we were able to do some pretty awesome stuff. Right, and like you said, it, it's not to knock anything or uh, or, or bash anyone, um, but the way so the way that the group kind of worked, you, I understand they they want a certain structure. So coming from the top, you then have people who are over certain groups that they kind of help coach you along, see how things are going. But then it can sometimes feel like you're somewhat handcuffed in like how you help people yeah. and, and what you associate yourself with as far yeah, as when, activities from the group. And when it started coming, I, when, when I met you, I was still very infant in my, uh, my walk in faith. And I, I didn't know anything about it. I thought it was just a group of guys. I didn't realize they had a you know, kind of had a report. Um, so I, but I know when, I was kind of forced to take over it. Like I said, it was one of those blessing in disguises because then we weren't associated with the church anymore. Right. With the specific church, um, which allowed us to do things without like having to ask somebody. I'm like this. I'm like, no, this is happening at my house. Like, right. <laughs> and we want to go, we want to go do, you know, feed the homeless or, you know, hand out jackets. We're going to do that. We don't need to, I don't feel like we need to report to somebody. So right. It was like some blessing in disguise. And just, you know, from their perspective, I get it. They don't want a bunch of, rogue dudes out there wearing a church badge yeah. you know whatever um but it it was kind of complicated because they wanted you to somewhat like keep track of who was coming and you know we we kind of know who's coming and who's not but uh you would have a big influx of guys whenever we would do one of these days where they kind of bring people into the church and show them the life groups and then occasionally one of the pastors would kind of put someone in contact with you and that got a little bit uncomfortable. It's not that we don't want to be open, but not having any rapport with a person and they just kind of show up to our home. Um, that can be kind of a complicated thing where now uh, being more of a word of mouth basis, we kind of basically the rule is if you bring a guest, you're responsible for them. Right. If, if they, if they come the in carpet, and act, no. yeah, <laughs> you got to clean it up if they yeah. pee on the car, but yeah. if they come in acting crazy, you got to calm them down, you yeah. know? So it's... <clears throat> definitely some benefits to the way we're doing it now. And I'm not trying to, to knock anything. If you, um, if you're hearing this podcast and you're just walking through the doors of a church for the first time in decades, or you've never been, and there's a group of guys meeting there and you're a man that's looking for wise counsel in your life, which is biblical. We never need to make decisions completely on our own. We either need to pray about it and petition to God, look for people around us that have wisdom in those areas. So if you're going to a church and there is a men's group through your church, by all means, I'm not trying to discourage any of that because okay. I think that's, there's definitely um, a place and a time for that. Uh, the, the thing, so just to piggyback off that is, <clears throat> as you grow in your maturity and in, in, in the word you can if even if you started a group like if like i did which it did great things for a long time but um even if it's you start in it and then you start doing a lot more on your own you're getting into the word more and you're like i don't know if this is right for me now right we're in different seasons that doesn't you know you can always peel off and do or even start your own which is i i think what you're saying like is perfect because if you don't <clears throat> If you just don't know, um, you've heard about this Jesus guy, you don't really know what you believe, and you're wanting to talk to some guys that are at a different spiritual plane than you are, and maybe you find a group that is kind of designed for that, where you don't really know much about the Word, and they're able to kind of point you, and you start growing and maturing in the Word and kind of doing some research on your own and your reading in your own spare time. 
you may find yourself at a, at a point where you feel like you've maybe outgrown a group and that's not a bad thing. That means no. that they've taught you to a point where maybe you have, it is time to move on. Um, that can feel, I think maybe scary or maybe like you're backstabbing someone if you were in a group and you have to move on, but that's actually a blessing. Yeah. They've now created a, a disciple, helped shepherd a disciple and that disciple's now ready to go out and have their own herd. That's, that's growth for the and, kingdom. And even obviously a lot of this is, is God-based conversations, but even in any circle that you're in, if you're outgrowing that circle, and you want to grow, you got to find a different circle, right? Right. You're a product, uh, I think they say, of your five closest friends. Um, and Brittany, Brittany and I talked about it last night. Same thing with your couples. Like, if you're trying to have a good, a better, gooder, have a gooder marriage, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, don't, don't hang around guys that bash their wives and, and, you know, women that talk crap about their husbands. That's, that's not, it's toxic. Same thing as individuals, though. If you're around a bunch of guys that aren't going, aren't going anywhere and you want to, make something better of your life, you know, you got to change who you're hanging out with. And that, that can be really hard. Be really hard. I'm glad you mentioned that, <clears throat> you know, if you want to have a good marriage, go find an older couple that's been married 20, 30, 40 years, ask them what they're doing that works. If you want to, maybe you're younger, you don't have a career path or you're thinking about changing career paths. You wouldn't go ask um, a plumber about being an electrician. Right. Uh, you wouldn't go ask a guy that, is a civilian his whole life of what it's like to be in the military. Right. Um, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to find someone that uh, I've heard it said like this. You need someone that is behind you walking beside you and someone ahead of you. So yeah. you need, you need all those outlets to have true alignment. You need someone, an outlet of guys that you can share with. Maybe it's at work guys that, um, maybe don't have a strong faith or maybe it's someone that you just know personally, mm -hmm. then you need a group of guys that are on that same path as you. And then you need someone that old wise dude that you can call if stuff's really a mess for me. A lot of times that's my dad. Yeah. Um, and then I also have guys like you next to me that, uh, you, you should have resources. Yeah. Um, and having that said, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, when it comes to um, your walk, you have to have some kind of consistently consistency. Mm -hmm. um, it may start for you just just going to church every Sunday or finding mm -hmm. that group of guys that meets every week, and you may not know anything. You know, yeah. you're just you're just showing up. But give God a couple of years, and it says in the Bible to pray earnestly for wisdom, and He will give it generously to you. Um, and I can remember the first time that I went through a group or a program, it was, it was pretty diligent and we had to read, we had like a daily reading <clears throat> and then we had memory scriptures on top of the daily reading. And then we had an in-person meeting to talk about all these things that we're supposed to be doing. And I can remember, uh, he's passed away now, but one of my mentors in that group, he said, guys, make sure and work on your memory verses. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way I'll ever be able to memorize scripture and do this work and all this. And here just a short five years since then, like I'm not trying to pretend to be like elite, but I, there are certain scriptures that, you know, start sticking in your brain and in your heart. And then you have those situations in life where it just kind of mm -hmm. starts coming out at the right moment. And that's that Holy spirit that works in us. So, yeah. And that's, um, you know, just like anything, you don't you don't need to hit the ground running, right? You know, I always talk about it, little little bits at a time. 
you know, if you if you want to get in better shape, maybe you don't have the time or whatever to go join a gym, do a few push-ups a day, do a few sit-ups, take the stairs. And then, you know, same thing with getting in the word. Just you, you can there's Bible plans all over the place. You can just get uh, on the Bible app or whatever and just download a plan. And sometimes those little devotionals and scripture readings are only like a few minutes. So if you have a short commute, listen to the word. If you have a long commute, listen to the word or, uh, you know, praise and worship music or something other than what you've been doing that's giving you the same results you want to change. Right. <clears throat> so that's yeah, good. Um, yeah, so you've been back for a few months now. Um, how's the group doing? So uh, the group, <clears throat> we've had a couple a couple visitors come in. Um, but what's what's really impressed me? <clears throat> so previously, <clears throat> sorry, these allergies got me mm -hmm. bound up a little bit, but. Um, Previously, it was an adults-only group, and my sons are now 15 and 18, and my youngest is still still fairly young, but I was talking to some of the guys about it. I was like, you know, since all this stuff has happened, I've really made a conscious effort to really impress God's Word on my kids and really do a better job of shepherding within the home and not just looking for that next mission out in the world, um, for God. <clears throat> so we're, we're the group starting to grow. My two sons are now coming every week, okay, uh, 15 and 18. And they've even been asked by Gabe who's hosting it now, uh, to give Bible studies and Connor, yeah, I, I was there for your, your 15 year old is right. Connor. Connor. Yeah. Yep. I was there for the one, the first one I think he did. Right. That was good. So since then, um, he's invited a buddy of his from his wrestling team and he, when he first asked me, I was like, are you sure he's mature enough for this? Because we talk about things pretty openly and it's kind of a spoken slash unspoken policy. We don't talk about, it's like fight club, yeah. right? We don't talk about it outside of fight club. Yeah. So uh, what we talk about there, it's not, not scripturally, but just personal yeah. information. We're not going to go talk about that in town. And that's important too. like, make sure if you're going to find a group or whatever that you can trust them. Because if, if you say something, and you turn around and then your wife finds out about it or something. Right. That's, you know, that you can't have those, those, uh, disconnects within those groups because then you lose right. that trust and then you're, and it you can know, be really destructive. And it's not that you ever want to be like secretive oh, with your no, spouse, no, 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 right? No, that's not what but, I'm saying, but, yeah. but there are certain mm -hmm. things, um, there are certain things I would talk to my wife about that I wouldn't talk to my men's group about you know, personal information right. with my wife. And then also, um, let's say there was some kind of, you know, squabble or rub within the household that you wanted to vent or get advice on. You wouldn't want someone within your group to go to your wife. Yeah, I heard this, this, and this. Or that, go to their wife. And right, their wife right. Yeah. So you, you don't want that telephone game starting from within a group that is meant to be, I guess, kind of a safe zone for information. Right. Um, so having all that said, uh, we did go ahead and have Connor to bring his buddy from the wrestling team. And he's been coming consistently for two months now. That's awesome. Um, he has actually delivered a, a Bible study as well. Uh, so that's, what's really impressed me. Um, previously it was mainly focused on just adult age men, but I think what God is showing me within that 
that duty of shepherding my children towards him within the home. Now I'm starting to see those branches kind of grow and see the impact. Just take yourself out of the equation. Look at how God's kingdom can grow if we're obedient. And now it's starting to transfer into a generation that quite frankly, I'm worried about. Uh, if you look at this world, there's just so many things that are getting too political about, you know, things that can be figured out through genetics are now being questioned as if, black and black and white and white are no longer absolute. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just one example of, of how culturally things are starting to fall apart. And it's, you know, we've got a whole generation of kids that we're not going to be here forever. Yeah. One day they'll be our age, we'll be our parents' age, and our parents won't be here anymore. So um, having that said, I mean, God is in control of everything, but it, I do believe it is our duty to start preparing that next generation because I was listening to a sermon uh, this week and outside of, of God's creation, um, I don't think there's another one. If there are, there aren't very many, but they're usually God's missions. He uses man to carry those out. It's not that he can't do it on his own, but outside of him creating the, the universe, yeah. uh, he usually uses us to carry out his mission. Uh, in the Bible, it says that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There is a, a desperate need in this world that we live in for guys, men like us and wives like ours yeah. to carry this, this word of God, we're called to be empty vessels carrying that for him. So to see that now trickling down something that my grandfather instilled in my dad who passed it down to me. And even though I went on a rebellious path, I can now see that rerouting and transferring down the family tree. And then now from my household out into the circles around us. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, we're, it's some crazy times right now, and and that's this has been on my heart to do something like this for a while. I mean, I wasn't even on social media. Um, I think it was for like a year or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, my wife's confirming. Um, <laughs> like I was off social media. It was great, and the only reason I got back onto it was to do this because I I'm like I feel like I need to reach other men like. You know, I've, I've gone to men's retreats and, you know, different things that I've learned a lot that I'm like, man, this needs to be on a further broadcast. I need to cast the net, the net wider. Right. And another thing, you know, <clears throat> we talked about a few months ago was having, um, speaking on marriages is uh, we went to that marriage retreat last week um, and Brittany and I have decided that we want to go forward with that group idea where it's not just married but also if you're in a relationship dating right. and or engaged, like we want to help mentor the, those people up. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more offline, but just putting that idea out there to you that, you know, we want uh, you all to be a part of that. Um, yeah. And I think that's, um, that's just another, another area. Um, just, just talking about making disciples. I mean, marriages are failing at an unprecedented rate. Um, you know, at one time <clears throat> back, you know, in history, uh, it was basically there would be a planned marriage and that was not just in the Jewish culture. There were a lot of cultures. Oh, yeah. um, and something I, I've talked a little bit about with, uh, you know, pastors and things like that, that I know the idea of a long engagement is not necessarily biblical. Um, if you think about it, having a long engagement, you, you do need to know 
a person and you do need to know what their belief system is. I think that's very important oh, yeah. and it shouldn't take you a long time to find that out. Right. If you're going on more than one or two Check days, their profile. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and find out, do they claim to be a believer? Or are they actually like actively pursuing Christ? Yeah. If that's where you're at in your life, you, you really, any relationship has to have that to be successful. Um, so having all that said, that's just another avenue that I think there's such a great importance because now marriage, um, typically there are children, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would guess there's a higher percentage percentage of children being born outside of marriage than within marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I heard a statistic that over half of marriages are now ending in divorce and having been through two myself, I'm not casting stones here. Mm -hmm. Uh, just after being through that, you start to really think and analyze things and start, well, the common denominator was I didn't have God as the center of my life. And I think that is probably across the board if we're being honest. And even speaking on that too, is as men in the marriage, as biblical men, we're supposed to lead. Correct. And that's where, <clears throat> even if there, there are a lot of guys out there and I'm not, I'm not trying to cast stones either, but there are a lot of guys that are the man they're in a Christian home, but they're not leading because the wife has a strong you know, presence. Right. And not saying it's not good to have a strong woman. My wife is strong as hell, but I'm the leader and I always go to her for counsel, but ultimately I am the leader and that's my responsibility. And she's aware of that. And that's where a lot of, a lot of relationships meet that friction. Um, as far as marriages go. Yeah. And that is, that is, uh, I think for a culture that I can think back to different songs and things like that, that are encouraging women to be independent. I don't know of one reference to that within the Bible of a woman being independent. Now, uh, it does say in James, I, I believe it's James, um, not many of you should become teachers. I could be wrong on that. So someone out there will probably fact check me on that. But uh, not many of you should become teachers because teachers will be judged more strictly or more harshly. When you become a husband, by default, your duty biblically is to shepherd your house and teach your home the word of God. So by default, you are now a teacher, even if it's only within your home. We are going to be judged more strictly for, I believe, when we go to heaven, uh, we're washing the blood of Jesus, but I think it will be a point like, did you shepherd your family like you were supposed to, or right. were you a bystander? Um, and I know when I get to heaven, I want to hear that, you know, job well done, my faithful servant. So having that said, uh, I do believe that we are called to be the head of the household. I think there's plenty of scripture to back that up without diving too deep into that right now. Um, and I do think that God gives us what his word calls a helper and, if we're also called to seek wise counsel and we're considered one in God's eyes, we would not want to know the value of the opinion of our spouse. I mm -hmm. think that's obvious. Uh, it also says to wash your wife in the word to keep her pure. There's plenty of things that kind of illustrate how closely bonded we should be with our wife. So it's not like this dictator role of the home. Yeah. Um, but we are at the end of the day, and this is something that Jill is really good about as well. Uh, I might go to her, well, what do you think about this or this? Sometimes she gives me her honest opinion. It's not a demand. It's nothing like that, but I'll come to her with something or she's like, I don't know. You're going to have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of heavy, but it's also reassuring to know that I have a spouse that supports the biblical roles that we're, yeah. we're kind of carrying together. So, yeah, <clears throat> there, I mean, as a, as a man, 
without bringing the Bible into it, we got a weight, a lot of weight on our shoulders. Right. And with that, uh, I think that's where a lot of times guys can start to falter is when they like, all right, well, I'll let the, I'll let the, the wife choose the church or this and that. Not saying they shouldn't, but I've also seen some relationships where the wife's wanting to go to one church and you're wanting to go to another church. And that's just, you're going two different directions. Right. And that can be very bad. And I would say um, in a specific situation like that, that I can understand why uh, maybe you were brought up in different denominations and maybe that's um, that leads to those kind of conversations or maybe one is still comfortable in this church. One feels like maybe they've outgrown the, the message that they bring because some churches are geared more towards someone that maybe not have a background at all. And some may be geared more towards a long term believer who wants to right. continue to grow deeper uh, in the word and things like that. So those, <clears throat> those things can happen. But I think my answer to that would be, well, find a church. Like yeah. just, um, and you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you don't have to have a church to have a relationship with God. I do firmly believe like, our relationship with God starts within our home. Are we mm -hmm. seeking him in our own time? But it's also, I think, to have a, to be an active part of the body of Christ. That's how it's described. Uh, it, it is a body and we're all the different pieces of that body. You know, the body doesn't function right if you don't have the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the feet to walk with, the hands to work with. So <clears throat> in order to be a part of that body, whether it's a group of people that read scripture together on Sunday or a group of men or a combination of going into an actual building where other believers are meeting. I think that is an part, an important part of that equation. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know one of the, the things that uh, when Brittany and I did get married, we were already talking about finding our home church. Right. It's, you know, she had been going to a church. I had been going to a church and she was like, we, made the decision to eventually to find our church. We, um, and we, we have, you know, and, and that's part of those things like we were talking about earlier to make changes to better your life. You're going to have right. to do that. And that's one of those things in, in marriage, you know, there's different things you're going to have to sacrifice. Like, yeah, maybe your boys all go to this church or something, but is your wife comfortable in that church? So I'm sure, you know, especially down here in the South, you can go a block and you're going to run into a, a very similar church right. that you can go into and you know you know grow that uh relationship within your, your family at a different place right and i think what you just said um kind of hit the nail on the head are you as a family are you able to grow mm -hmm. and then are you as the man of the home are you bringing that home and continuing outside of the hour hour and a half you spend in a building on sunday morning are you carrying that back home with you and and doing your best to walk that out you know it says um to bear fruit and keeping repentance so we're never going to be perfect right until we get to our heavenly bodies and we're no longer here in this sinful earth but we are called i feel like to to pursue christ and to honestly try to live a righteous life we're not jesus we're not going to get it right every day nope. but if we're not making that honest effort to repent are we i'm not going to say are we really saved but are we really are we really pursuing Jesus Christ? Are we really trying to walk and be a disciple? The root word for disciple is discipline. So <clears throat> when Jesus said, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, I think that's literal. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to put a heavy load on you, but he was also a rabbi. And a rabbi, their teaching was considered to be a yoke. 
that that was their teaching, what they're dis disciplining you to learn to do. So I do believe it's very clear. Jesus also said, if you love me, you would obey my commands. So in Romans chapter seven, Paul kind of talks about that. Uh, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I do want to do. So there's there's this battle between our flesh and our spirit. Um, but I feel like if we're really, truly pursuing God like Jesus did, because when Jesus was on earth, it's documented that he would leave every morning and spend quiet time with God. Yeah. Um, so it's, he was, he was supernatural from the get go. He was a man in flesh, but he also knew to pursue heavenly father mm -hmm. while he was here on earth. And that's, that's something we really need to look at and thinking just along the lines of prayer. Uh, if you look at when Jesus when the, was in the garden before he was betrayed, he, he praised God, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, and in the word, it also tells us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's a promise like God's going to take care of us. Uh, that's not something we have to to worry about. But those those things that are, he's going to add to us, um, you know, I could sit here and say, God, give me a million dollars. Well, no, you're probably not going to be responsible with a million dollars. I'm not going to give that to you right now. Mm -hmm. But if we're truly trying to align our life with him, the things that we really need, he's going to change our perspective in situations and he's, we're going to be taken care of. So I think it's important um, not just, I think some people look at salvation and saying that prayer at church, you know, God come into my life, you know, I accept the blood of Jesus and everything he's done for me. It says, you know, to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and that's what brings salvation. But that's really the beginning. Um, that's really the beginning of the mission. It's it's not like we're trying to get that golden ticket yeah. to, to heaven. That's that's when you join the sainthood. It says we're part of the sainthood once we've joined. Um, and that final mission was to go and make more disciples. So it's our responsibility both within the home and out of the home, kind of going back to the men's group. Um, and that's something that God has really, I feel like, really impressed upon me hard lately. That's I actually spoke on this just probably two weeks ago. Our, our mission, the word says that we will have hardship. There will be people that hate us. Um, you know, and that's that's not exactly encouraging at face value. People aren't going to like me. But if you notice, when you start truly pursuing Jesus, that circle does tend to get smaller. Now, you will kind of like you said, I've, I've always kind of had guys that maybe look to me for advice. And it's, it's not me. It's I don't, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some special individual. It's just that I think God has had a plan on my life for that. And yeah. when I'm trying my best to walk with him, that plan is now coming into action. Like I said earlier, the, his plans usually involve us and our obedience and walking with him. So it's not encouraging to think that the world's going to hate you. But sometimes when you make that change, you're going to have people like, Paul, I know you used to do this and listen to this. And now you're trying to tell me about this Jesus character. Right. That's the old me. I'm that guy's dead and gone. I'm yeah. something new now. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. So having that said you know <clears throat> this walk is not going to be easy we're not going to be perfect at it but i truly like feel like god has really pushed it on my heart um not even in just the church settings what he's really shown me is like when i'm on a construction site sometimes you have guys that have no relationship with jesus christ and those are the moments that i'm i'm seeking you know to to have the right words and praying for because if if we're not going to deliver that message to them and they're not going to walk in a building where that message is being given, who's going to tell them about Jesus Christ? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the, one of the things like why I wanted to get this up and running and see, see who we can reach. Cause um, a lot of people listen to podcasts. 
and a lot of men struggle because they just don't know how to cope with things. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of the big thing I wanted to get out of this is helping as many guys as I can, uh, hopefully get closer to, to God. But. I feel like you just opened a whole nother can of worms with that statement because, um, culturally really the opposite of what's biblical is what has been told. Like men were supposed to be tough. You know, we grew up watching movies with tough guys. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do this. Not, there's no crying in baseball, you know, just all these yeah, different yeah. things. Um, and really that's the opposite of what the Bible says. Uh, it says that we confess to one another for healing. We confess to God for salvation when we repent and we confess to him what we've done, but it says we confess to each other for healing. And I think in my mind, this is how I translate it. Like, let's say I've had one of those days where I'm ready to cuss my boss out and this, that, and the other. If I just carry that at some point, I'm going to explode. Yeah. Where if I call someone like you or Gabe or Nick and just verbalize it, like my anger is reaching category five. Yeah. If, if you have good counsel, they're going to say something like, yeah, I understand, you know, and, and you're feeling emotional about that, but you have to understand that's just an emotion. You have to still try to be like Christ in this moment and this anger or frustration, or maybe it's sorrow or depression, like those moments will pass. Yeah. Uh, so when you're able to kind of verbalize that, it just takes so much of that stress. If you think about it, think about it like this. If you were to make a bad grade in school and you never want to go home and tell your parents about it and it feels like you're carrying a burden. Yeah. Well, as we grow up and, and we become men, we don't want to talk about that we feel sad or that we feel depressed because maybe we were in a dating relationship and that relationship has ended and I don't want to admit, my pride doesn't want to admit that I'm feeling pain and I don't have anyone that I can go talk to about that. That's why this is important. Yeah. Because we have to be able to to share. It says to carry each other's burdens. Yeah. And how are we doing that if we've been taught to bottle that up? It's it's not really that complicated to understand why the world is so broken and why these mental conditions have get gotten more and more rampant. And you just speaking about social media, you go on social media and you see people acting crazy everywhere. Well, it's it's because we're not we're not healthy. We're not. We're not taking care of ourselves to a biblical standard. We're not allowing Jesus to come in and, and heal some of those wounds like I talked about earlier on in my life. Yep. What do you think um, a masculine Christian man looks like? Like what what is that to you? So I think um, I think that's kind of a multi-layered question. First, a masculine man, a, a Christian man. Um, should be soft enough to be gentle with his wife. That's that's an instruction in the Bible. Um, it says to be gentle with your wife. It also says to teach them. So I think kind of talking My wife about chokes me out though. So right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> but that's kind of you know kind of a planned sanctioned deal. So not, yeah, nothing weird. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I also think it's it's being able to be vulnerable. So if I hear a guy, just for instance, let's say maybe he's he's depressed. Instead of telling him, oh, you need to toughen up, you know, maybe something we've heard through sports, military, whatever that may look like. Um, maybe just being open and honest. Well, man, I've I've been through two divorces. I know what that feels like to be crushed and feel like the person you were going to spend the rest of your life with. And it's just ripped apart. Um, and my second divorce, having kids involved was much worse. So I think being able to be transparent and real with other people um, is definitely part of, of being a spiritual tough guy. It's a lot easier um, 
not more beneficial, but it's easier to kind of bottle things up. Oh, you don't need to worry about that. You'll, you'll get married again. Like, right. no, you, this dude is crushed. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't need that. to hear about, uh, well, in five years, you won't remember this shit. That's also not true. There's <laughs> there, those scars are still there, even though there's emotional detachment. But I think, I, I think a real tough, godly man knows when to have compassion and be what some might consider soft. Yeah. Um, I think there is a time where you also have to be stern. Those times where you know the world's going to hate you, it can be brutal. You know, with a past like mine, I I have no doubt that people in places have probably spoke negatively about me and the things that I've done. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, But I think you have to have a certain amount of grittiness too. Now, it's not like the movies where we're going to go, you know, pull an AK out of the mud and go fight for Jesus, you know, nothing like that. But I think you do have to have a certain level of, of grit and toughness too. And, you know, I don't want to get too carried away with that because I think people say, well, my Jesus threw tables over. Yeah, but they were also a den of robbers in his father's house. It's not like he just went and threw some of his table over because they made him mad. There was That's a lot deeper conversation than that. Yeah. So I think, I think we do have to have a certain level of that toughness to us, like maybe in, in the more cultural sense. But I think a lot more has to do with being vulnerable and being real and being transparent with people and being able to share like, hey, you're not the only guy that's ever struggled with looking at porn or doing drugs or getting drunk or fighting with your wife or letting anger get the best of you with your kids. I think that's really kind of going back to that healing thing. I think that's what a true masculine Christian man would look like and being being able to be that leader role when you need to, but also being able to get on someone's level. Paul even talks about that. I met you where you were at. So Paul knew to really reach people like you can't go to maybe you know one of the guys that's homeless or whatever that we've talked to before if you go to them and just start throwing scripture down their neck and you don't find some kind of common ground to have a normal yeah. conversation it's going to be like you know trying to trying to throw darts into a brick wall they're just going to fall right <laughs> off yeah yeah um that was good i <clears throat> that's one of the questions i've been I've kind of been asking different guys i've had on um i think I don't know. You maybe you can help me out. I don't know if it says anywhere in the Bible, but you know, uh, we also need to be there to p- protect our family. I know it says something. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. You I don't, don't have to. I know you. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but it's it, one of those things that it says. And I'm, I, I hope I don't get the wording wrong, but the message of what it says is basically a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than a pagan or a non-believer or an infidel. Or, I forget exactly how it's worded, but it does say if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than a non-believer pretty right. much. Um, and it also says, so just God designed us to work too. So we're supposed to take care of our family. It clearly states that in Proverbs, it says a lot about that. Yeah. It also says that a son who sleeps during the harvest is disgraceful. So part of part of our responsibility, like you have to work to eat. That's biblical. Uh, that's been from the beginning of time. It's not a new thing. Uh, so we do need to protect our family. Yep. We do need to provide for our family. That that's, and, and we also need to provide that spiritual structure within the household. Like these are all responsibilities God put on us. Yeah. Um, so if we neglect that, I don't want to be a disgraceful son anymore. I've been that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just uh, like that with what you said, and then just uh, me giving you that little bit there. I think that's pretty much pretty well sums up what I guess I feel a masculine Christian man should be like, right? Should have that compassion, especially towards your family and been able to be empathetic and all those things. Right. Um, 
you should you should be working to provide for your family and you should be able to to some degree protect your family right um i'm not saying you know go join a militia or anything crazy but right you know you, you should be able to protect your family to some degree because you know, this is a crazy world my family all does jujitsu, so I don't worry right. too much. But and we've we've talked about some of this stuff, you know, outside of the podcast and outside of group. But um, you know, I'm not. I went to an MMA gym that our teacher, our instructor, was a black belt in jujitsu and kickboxing. So I, I spent about a year there. Uh, I wasn't focused on moving up in belt and jujitsu. I was more focused on the MMA part, and I was really focused on learning just enough to jujitsu to be effective and get out of stuff and punch someone in the face. Right. So, uh, but the reason I bring that up, I I think it's smart. Not only is it smart, it's healthy to have, have an outlet. Um, I still enjoy weight training. I haven't been in an MMA gym in a long time, but I do still have the mental value of remembering certain things. If I get in this position, what I can do to get out of it and, and a little bit cleaner striking. If you, if it ever came to that, yeah. So I, I think that's just number one, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, number two, it's healthy. And then number three, if you ever did get in a situation where you had to use something like that, you're not just standing there defenseless. Now, talking about joining a militia, if you're if you're into that and you enjoy it and it's it's fun for you, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. But um, I do think it's important. The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And it also says that you shouldn't fear the one that can kill you. You should fear the one that can throw you into hell. Right. And I'm paraphrasing slightly, but God is clearly saying like, don't, don't fear any of this. You should be afraid of me. Um, and I don't think God that's wants a, us that's to, a, I feel like that's a really, one of those really tough ones to, to swallow. Yep. You know, especially today's day and age, unless you know, a lot of people, I feel like walk around with blinders on. Uh, and, and that is, that is scary too. And then you could go on the flip side of this and some people might view the Bible as contradictory in this, but I don't, I don't, that's not how I take this. I take this as in different circumstances, we're called to do different things. So look at David and Goliath. David was literally an adolescent boy at the time that he went to the battlefield, taking food to his brothers and this giant, literal giant. So for anyone out there wondering if giants are real, yes, they were real. It's, Dates back to the Nephilim and when the angels fell and all that stuff. Uh, whole nother subject. Yeah. But this dude was a literal giant. And he was he was basically talking crap about God and saying, your God's nothing. And every single man in the Israeli army, the, the land of Israel, every man in their nation was terrified of this dude. So I don't know what that looks like from our perspective today, but he was like, dude, you're going down for that, you yeah. know, and just kills the dude and cuts his head off. Yep. So I know that's kind of an extreme opposite of that because I I do believe we should have enough faith in God. Like we don't just constantly worry, but what you're talking about, people with blinders and know everything's fine and, and, and they have no consciousness about the dangerous situation they may be walking into. And that's something that with the background I have kind of running with a rough crowd at one time in my life, I'm, I feel like more aware and with your military background and things like that, you're more aware of sometimes you're walking into a bad situation and you need to know that you either need to leave or be prepared to defend yourself. Yeah. That happened. Uh, when we were in Dallas last weekend. Uh, (laughs) I was like, uh, we were, we were out with our cousins and, um, playing pool and uh, saw some stuff. And I was like, all right, we we gotta go. Like I'm going to get checked. And I told her cousin, I'm like, y'all should leave when we leave. And, uh, 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we're in some crazy times right now. Um, uh, I don't want to say too much to spin off onto a whole other topic, but it's uh, without getting into it. I think we're getting towards the end of the times. Yeah. I think Jesus is coming back. Um, and I, if anybody's listening to this and they don't know Jesus, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, reach out on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty infinite myself, but I can hopefully point you in the right direction because uh, the only way to God is through Jesus. And um, yeah, the more you get into the word, you know, if you see what's going on in the world, you really feel like, all right, <laughs> it's getting yeah. a little scary. In, in Matthew 24, um, <clears throat> it talks about there will be wars and rumors of wars. Um, and I've, I've heard, so I've listened to quite a few scholars that go super deep into, you know, where Jesus is speaking about the end times and what's in Revelation. And they dive into <clears throat> deeper into that timeline and what that timeline might look like based on how those scriptures tie up and things like that. It's, it's too much to try and talk about right yeah. now. But what we do know <clears throat> is that all the references that we know about of end times in scripture are starting to line up. Um, And, and Jesus very clearly said, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, but you know how to tell the times from the stars and the sky, but you can't tell the end time basically saying you can, you can tell so much by looking at astrology, you know, they could tell what season, what was going to happen with the weather just by looking up in the sky at that time, because they didn't have the weather channel or whatever, (laughs) you know, But he said, you don't, you can't even see the end times right in front of you. So for people right now that are doubting kind of what you're alluding to, um, the signs are there. If you're, if you're a believer, you should be aware of that the signs are there that, and we don't know the exact date, the exact time. But if you look at the, at the scriptural dialogue talking about that, there's no doubt that we have to be getting close. Is that a hundred years, 500 years, right. five years? Um, it's, that's hard to estimate considering you know god's timing is totally different than ours he's outside of what we understand as time um but like you talked about um if you don't if you're hearing this and maybe you've heard about jesus you're not walking closely you don't really know where your faith's at you don't really know what you believe i would encourage you uh to maybe seek out a group like what we've been talking about maybe find a church to get into or just open that bible on your own but one one thing I want to mention, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Romans, it says that we confess with our mouth and, <clears throat> and believe in our heart that Jesus, and that's what brings salvation. So pray for Jesus to expose himself to you. I, I can't count the number of people and videos and things like that, that didn't have an understanding of who he was, but just pray, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me and it happened. Yeah. So pray about it seek him out because... What do we have to lose if we're wrong? Right. We've, we've, in my opinion, we're living a better life than we ever have. Um, Even if you just want to call it a good moral compass, if you're not on the same wavelength with Jesus that we are, um, we're not missing out on anything. My quality of life is so much better than when I was doing things of the world, where if we're correct and someone else who was doubting what we're talking about is wrong the punishment for that is is eternity without god in a terrible place that's good no no that's that's absolutely it so that's why i was trying to say like if um this is the first time i've really put this out on the the show but you know the more i 
see going day by day and just the craziness going on right now, the more, uh, like you said, it could be tomorrow, could be a hundred years from now, but right. like you said, would you rather be on the side that, yeah, he is a real person and God's taking me home or would you rather be on the side of, oh, they're, they're full of crap. And right. Now you're damnation. And just one thing that kind of, I feel like the Holy Spirit is putting it on me right now. If someone is hearing this, we've covered a lot of ground, talked about a lot of, went kind of a lot of different directions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ and you've heard all of this talk about how, you know, you're called to lead your family and, and you should really eventually start to disciple others and hearing us talk about different groups we've involved, been involved in and helped plant and things like that. Don't let that overwhelm you. If you're just now thinking about this whole idea, don't become overwhelmed with the idea of having to teach your wife about Jesus. Don't become overwhelmed with having to be at church every Sunday. That's not, that's not where it starts. It starts with just accepting Jesus Christ, and then he's going to sanctify you through time. He's not going to put too big of a burden on you uh, at the beginning. I didn't start by having men that, you know, asked me for wise counsel and vice versa. I was a knucklehead, uh, even having been exposed at a young age. But just know that if you're thinking about making a step in that direction and considering who is Jesus to me, don't let all the other details that we've talked about tonight be a discouragement for that. Because ultimately he wants a relationship with you first. And then from there, he'll be able to grow and groom you the way that he wants you to be. That's good. Well, man, it's... um from who you are when I met you to, you know, your fall, it was, it was a pretty big fall. I'm, you know, we're not going to, we're going to dive into that, but man, I'm, I'm so glad that you're back doing the right things. I know you were, you were ministering and, uh, you know, helping build guys up when you were um, uh, in the rehab and everything, but, you know, things could have been really bad for you and, 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 God had plans for you. Yeah. And uh I'm I'm so grateful that you're back in town doing doing this thing. I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast. Um hopefully we can reach some people with it. Um but man, with that said, I appreciate you coming on. Do you mind uh praying us out? Absolutely. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening, Lord, and we just want to give you thanks uh for the opportunity to be a vessel for your word, Lord. Uh, we just pray anyone out there listening to this, Lord, that your words were conveyed through us, Lord, and it would touch their heart. And Lord, if there's just anyone out there that maybe is hearing this and, and really considering where their faith is at and wanting to, to follow you, Lord, just put that on their heart, Lord, and just touch their heart and show yourself to them, Lord. It says in your word that it is your desire for all men to become saved, Lord. You don't want anyone to perish because of, of non-belief and not following you, Lord. So anyone that hears this message, Lord, we just pray that our words were clear uh, through you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. God bless.